<clears throat> Welcome to another episode of the Coal Region Campfire. I'm not sure what number it is, but I think we're in the 40s now, so that is a good thing. Today we have Corey McCabe. Uh, he is a, a Coal Region guy through and through, and he is um, heading up a uh, organization called Alive Today, which is fighting the opioid epidemic, raising awareness. Um, I came across Corey. I went to an event uh, that he had uh, planned at Bearfield uh, back in August. And, um, you know, I wasn't really expecting much when I went there, um, thinking maybe a couple people would show up, uh, quite honestly. And uh, when I got there, uh, there was close to 2,500 people uh, there throughout the day. Um, it was hot. Uh, I believe it was raining at one point. Uh, so people definitely could have found a reason not to go, um, but they still went. And obviously this is something uh, that is affecting a lot of people, uh, unfortunately, throughout the county. So to see someone uh, trying to do something, trying to make a positive change, um, uh, Corey himself is in recovery. Uh, so he does know the battle. And, um, you know, to be 100% honest, this is completely out of my wheelhouse. I don't really know much uh, when it comes to this uh, topic, uh, so it was a little bit of a uh, learning uh, experience for me, uh, but I definitely thank him for taking the time uh, to sit with me. Now, before we get to Corey, we have to have a word from our trusty uh, sponsor here, Darren J. March. As you know, he's a certified financial planner with Raymond James. And he's been a Potsdam native and has been advising clients for more than 17 years in Northeastern PA. Uh, he specializes in retirement planning and offers an independent, unbiased approach to investing. Raymond James does not offer its own investment products. This allows Darren to be able to structure a plan to fit your needs, not the needs of the firm. So if you have a 401k or retirement, retirement plan from a former job, or if your advisor just doesn't keep in touch, give him a call for a free, no obligation review, 570-640-8010. Darren.March at RaymondJames.com. Raymond James Financial Services member FINRA SIPIC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. And one last thing here before we get to Corey. I know uh, the last couple weeks I've been uh, promoting the Puzzle on Tap that is coming up this Saturday, uh, September 15th. So definitely get there. Uh, there's really no excuses to why you shouldn't be there. There's going to be a beer garden. There's going to be... Uh, a movie playing, there's a bunch of activities, and it's right down uh, in center of Pottsville. So you really can't uh, beat that. And also, a big thank you uh, to all our listeners out there. We had our biggest month uh, yet uh, in August. Um, Coach Keating uh, got a ton of feedback on that. People really enjoyed that. So obviously, I'm going to try to bring you more of that style um, and try to line up you know, as many guests as I can. Um, Definitely have a couple good guests lined up. So on to Corey. Thank you. Okay, we are live, not live, but podcast live here at Bearfield uh, Park with uh, Corey McCabe. Um, it's good to be back here a couple weeks ago. Uh, what, what, what day was it when you guys had the, uh, the awareness day? August 18th. August 18th. And depending on who you ask, but between 2,000 and 2,500 people were here. Yes. Uh, I was actually here, and it was an incredible event. Um, I mean, the place was crawling with people and here for the right reasons. Um, so 
I'm sure a lot of people, you've been active on social media, you've had articles in the Pots Republican, in the Morning Call, the Philly Inquirer. You're really taking a lead on this whole opioid epidemic, and not just the opioid epidemic, you know, any kind of drug use. Why don't we start with, you could tell us just a little bit about yourself, how you got involved with this. And, and, and go from there. Well, I'm, I'm a person in recovery myself. Um, so I'm in recovery. Uh, on Thursday, I'll have 11 months. So, you know, I, it's my passion, you know, to help others. Uh, I want to give away what somebody gave to me. And that's an opportunity to recover. Uh, so in April, I launched uh, Live Today. Uh, I was working uh, at a graphic company and I was just kind of tormented and I'm a real spiritual person and I just felt like God laid laid something on my heart you know to do something different and uh, a few days later you know it's out of the blue I got laid off uh, and I haven't looked back from there now you know you said you're in recovery from for 11 months Um, someone like me so how hard is that to to keep you know you're raising awareness. Uh, I, I imagine you, you, you're in treatment now. Is that how it works? Or, Well, I went through what's, what's called the continuum of care, okay. um, which we highly recommend. And what that means is I went through an inpatient facility, uh, then I went to a halfway house, and then I went to a sober living uh, recovery house. Uh, and that's the continuum of care. So I went through the process myself. Um, so am I actively involved in treatment? No, but my support system is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing, I believe in many pathways to recovery and just happens to be my pathway. Now, it's alive to today, right? Yes. Um, and, I, and, I, and I see, you know, uh, there, there are weak, uh, unfortunately, there was two, two overdose deaths here in Pottsville, and, and you did a Facebook Live, and, you know, the power of social media, I, I don't know how many views I got. I got a crazy amount of views. You're raising awareness. Um, I guess my question is, awareness, obviously we want to be aware, but how can we turn that awareness into action to actually help people, you know, get treatment that they, that they, they need and, and they deserve? Well, awareness is really just talking about the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and anytime you, you talk about the problem, you're raising awareness. Um, but we have to shift gears. We have to become more solution-oriented. Um, and that's kind of what Live Today does. We do a lot of hands-on. Um, we get people into treatment. Uh, we support their path. Now, uh, you started this. Uh, your daughter, uh, she had passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, was that kind of the catalyst for everything? Well, no. And a lot of people uh, think that, that, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I launched a Live Today um, because of what happened to Breeze on June 11th. Mm-hmm. But actually, you know, I launched a Live Today in April. Uh, we started planning, you know, Drug Awareness Day within the first week or two of May, you know, and unfortunately, June 11th, that, that's when Breeze passed away. Yeah, I, I mean, when I was here at the event, I, I noticed that you had the shirt on and, um, you know, you had the, the day, June 11th, mm-hmm. on the back. And I said, I said to myself, geez, that's, that's really raw, you know what I mean? And I, I commend you for, for, you know. Thank you. For being able to, you know, get up in the morning and not alone get up, but actually go and try to make a difference. So, well, it's that tough. takes a lot of strength. You know, it's, it's definitely tough. 
um, to deal with. Um, but I refuse to allow her death to, to, to go in vain. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'll be remiss if I didn't continue doing what I was doing. And it's been a motivating factor, you know, personally from my recovery standpoint and just being able to not have to see another parent or brother or sister go through with, you know, my other kids had to go through as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, you see it on the news now. You see that the, the you know, yes, it's it's big around here, but it's big across the country. And, and the thing that kind of stands out to me is that, you know, it's people that you never would think would get, you know, hooked on a drug, uh, you know, a physical dependency on it. How, like, what are, what are kind of the myths like, how does it start, in, in your opinion, you know? Well, first and foremost, you know, it's a medical condition. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a disease. And research shows it for over 70 years that, you know, it is, it is a medical condition and it is a disease. So it does not discriminate. You know, it affects, you know, all socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, so two out of three families are affected. So mm -hmm. the numbers are staggering right now. And, you know, the reason we're talking about the opioid epidemic is, you know, what you just kind of alluded to is it started affecting the right people. Um, Cause we, if we go back into the nineties, you know, we're in the middle of what, what was called the crack ep epidemic. Mm -hmm. um, it was primarily in urban areas. Uh, now when opioids came on the scene, um, you know, it had a lot to do with, you know, prescription, you know, pain distribution. Although I think that's just a small portion of the problem. So it just started affecting the right people. When, when things start affecting the right people, you know, we start talking about it more. Yeah, no, absolutely. <clears throat> um, get my notes here. Now, I, I see on Facebook you're down in Harrisburg a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I think one thing that kind of separates you is that you're very active. Right. Um, and, and that's not taking away anything from any other groups. Uh, but you're active. You could tell that you're, you're passionate about it. What's your kind of goal when you go down to Harrisburg? What, like, what are kind of the the, the incentives or, that we're trying to give to our lawmakers in order to help correct this problem? Well, I go down to Harrisburg a lot because, you know, it's the state capital. You know, that's where, you know, laws are put into effect. So I go down there, you know, I, I talk to people, I meet different people, you know, I network. Um, a lot of today is relatively new. Um, so that's just part of the process, going down there and engaging, you know, politicians on a legislative level, um, because that's important. You know, it starts at the top uh, because laws are put into effect, and, you know, and the, the laws that are currently in effect, you know, in some areas, they just need to change. Now, what are, what are some of those, like, laws in terms, like, what, what, what's one change that you would want to see happen? Well, um... I would like the Good Samaritan Act is, is, is a perfect example. Um, the Good Samaritan Act is where uh, if two people are, are using together and, and one overdoses uh, and the other person reports it and calls, you know, EMS or law enforcement, that they are not to be charged criminally. Um, that's not always happening. Mm -hmm. um, so we need to make sure that the law, the Good Samaritan Act, which was, you know, formally called David's Law, uh, we need to make sure that that is being implemented properly. So that's just an example. Yeah, I noticed, too, uh, you know, in one of the newspaper articles I read uh, that you were doing something as simple as just cleaning up, you know, needles in, in, in Allentown. Um, you know, what, what effect does that have in terms of? 
Well, you know, that's, that falls under the umbrella of harm reduction. Uh, so, you know, there were some needles, you know, on the side of my, my house in an alleyway, just kind of, you know, laying on the ground. Uh, and kids walk through there, they play in there. Um, so I just felt as though I needed to dispose of those properly. And uh, at that point in time, the Allentown Morning Call actually was preparing for a story. Um, is the Lehigh Valley ready for a needle exchange? Uh, and they most certainly are. Mm -hmm. And a needle exchange, for, for our listeners who don't know exactly what that is, that's where, you know, um, it's a center, I, I believe, where you get a, a clean needle, but it actually allows them to... You right. know, to, to, to contact that Right, that group. it serves multiple purposes. Um, you know, number one, you know, it keeps it from being littered, you know, on the ground. Um, it cuts down on the spread of HIV, cuts down on the spread of hepatitis C. And more importantly, when somebody goes into a needle exchange center, um, we have an opportunity to engage them and engage them in treatment. So it's just another point of contact where we're able to touch base with people that are actively using now, uh, you're, you're on Facebook. I don't, I don't believe this, but, you know, a, a lot of people will say, well, if you don't want to use drugs, you know, the first step is don't use them. What, what, what is that? What, you know, everybody has a story, mm -hmm. you know, and, and more often than not, there's some underlying issues, you know, whether it be, you know, trauma related, you know, some type of mental health condition because they, you know, they run parallel to one another, you know, mental health conditions mm -hmm. and drug and alcohol use. Um, so, yeah, what may start off as a choice um, ends up into a disease, you mm -hmm. know. And I always like to use, you know, this analogy is if uh, I choose to have sex, okay, and I get an STD, well, that does not make it a disease, but I still chose to have it, mm -hmm. and, you know, so it's the same concept. Right. Um, so most people, you know, start off, you know, for whatever reason to fit in, to be socially acceptable, uh, to escape something. And then subsequently they end up becoming, you know, addicted. You know, everybody's brain is different. You know, some people are more prone to it than others. And that's just the reality of the situation. Now, you had mentioned before that, you know, you're in recovery yourself. Does this kind of exposure kind of keep you more motivated to, 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 to stay clean? Yeah, it definitely helps. Um, but make no mistake about it, you know, Alive Today aside, Drug Awareness Day aside, you know, first and foremost, I'm a person in recovery, so I never lose sight of that. Um, sometimes that can get lost in the noise, uh, and many people, uh, they only see a, a certain part of who I am, you know, mm -hmm. especially publicly. Um, but they don't know, you know, that I still struggle. You know, I have good days and I have bad days, but, you know, I never underestimate it. That's for sure. Now, what's a what's a bad day like? Just life. Life shows up. Yeah. You know, anything could be, you know, you know, could set me off whether I get a flat tire or, you know, just life in general. You sure. know, some things, you know, just set you off and put you in a bad mood. And, you know, I have to be really self-aware. Uh, you know, I may have a you know, an argument or a conflict with somebody, if I don't resolve that, you know, quickly, mm -hmm. you know, and come to terms with that and, you know, find out what role I played in it. You know, one thing I never wanted to do is allow, you know, a resentment to form, you know, because 
when I believe that when we're holding things in, they come out in other ways. So it's important to be, you know, open and honest and, you know, find my culpability in it. And if there is any, then make sure I rectify that as soon as possible. Now, I imagine, uh, you know, if you if you're in recovery, there's there's little milestones. I mean, could it be as simple as, you know, being angry one day and, and being able to remedy that with yourself without taking, you know, any kind of drastic steps or anything like that? Sure. I mean, I've gotten better. It's a personal growth process. Mm -hmm. You know, each day I like to think that I believe I've gotten better in one area or or another. But you mentioned milestones. I'm coming up on a pretty big one. Uh, like I said, Thursday, I have 11 months, you know, October 14th. Uh, I'll have one year. So that, that that's important to me. You know, I've had some recovery time in the past where I nearly had uh, five years. And, you know, and I started, you know, becoming prideful and, and boastful and not utilizing my support system. And subsequently, you know, I had a relapse. And is it one day at a time or do you look at it as months, weeks at a time? You, okay, let me get through this week or let me get through this day. Uh, it's just a daily, you know, we yeah. get to, I only have today. You mm -hmm. know, what... What kept me in recovery yesterday is not going to keep me in recovery today. Mm -hmm. So, you know, recovery is an action word, you know, so I have to stay active as it relates to my own recovery process. Now, Alive Today, how would you come up with that name? Um, well, when I initially decided to launch Alive Today, um, what I really wanted to do was I wanted to create a, a platform where I could offer real-time bed availability on my site. Um, I was a little naive in thinking I'd be able to do that. But when I, I researched it early and I had this idea, you know, I found out who else was doing it. And I found out there was only one one place in the country doing it at that point in time. Uh, and that was in Connecticut. And that was newly launched. So basically the concept is if somebody was looking for treatment, they can go to, you know, a website, a platform where it would list all the available treatment facilities that had openings, whether it be a detox bed or inpatient uh, treatment facility. Uh, in the process, I realized that wasn't as easy as I initially thought mm -hmm. it would be. There's a lot of a lot of other issues that that potential roadblocks. Um, so I kind of shifted gears uh, and. You know, I was looking to do something. And Drug Awareness Day actually wasn't even my idea. Um, we had just launched, and I was talking to a friend of mine, Rochelle, and uh, her fiancé, who is O.D. Quake, um, which stands for Odd Diversity. So sometimes people get that a little confused hmm. uh, when it says O.D. Quake. But anyway, you know, we were talking one day, and she said, you know, Quake wants to do something for the kids and the community. And I was like, that's perfect. You know, let's do it. And it just took off from there. Now, how many people did you expect prior to the event? I thought walking in August 18th that we were in a good position. Mm -hmm. I thought we promoted well. Uh, we were talking about every day for three months. So I thought, you know, our goal was a thousand people. I thought we can get a thousand in there throughout the day. Uh, and it's just superseded my expectations. Yeah, like I said, I mean, and, and just the help, I imagine you got a lot of help from, from, you know, the city, from the community in terms of, you know, donating time or whatever. Um, you know, it was a bunch of local kids, man. Yeah. You know, you if you walked in, you know, that Saturday, you would think it was, you know, some corporate event going on. Yeah, but, I mean, there was tents and everything, yeah. But it really wasn't, you know. It was a bunch of, you know, local, local kids, 
you know, that all, you know, grew up, you know, basically within a few blocks of each other, you know, and we had a lot of volunteers, but our core group was all local. Uh, and we just grinded, man, for three months. You know, we raised some money. Uh, and what I mean by raise some money, really only, you know, raise money at like Walmart mm -hmm. and, you know, on Turkey Hill, you know, like we was in Little League again, holding, you sure. know, a, a can. Uh, the community responded. Um, businesses responded. And, you know, we presented them with a message and they just showed up to hear it. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Like I said, in, uh, I mean, even CVS was here. I mean, it was... Uh CVS was here, Lehigh Valley Health Network, uh, a lot of grassroots organizations, Hope Initiative, Renew You, Open Arms Ministry, Skook Recovers. Skook Recovers was paramount in bringing Drug Awareness mm -hmm. Day um, forward. You know, Travis is a great guy. He's been doing this for several years. He's a really good friend of mine. And, you know, when I, when I initially talked to him, uh, a few months prior to that, you know, he just fully embraced what we were trying to do. Uh, he supported us. Uh, but it was tough, you know, some some places and people that I thought would support us just didn't support us. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's just, you know, the reality of the situation. So uh, Pro-A is an organization out of Harrisburg. Actually, their executive director was one of you know, our speakers that day. And what they do is they they support our recovery community organizations, which they call them RCOs. And they're a statewide organization, kind of like the bedrock. They're out of Harrisburg. And, you know, when I presented what I was trying to do and, and told them a little bit about Alive Today, they just kind of fully embraced me and, and supported me and kind of got the ball rolling where I was able to engage other organizations. Yeah, I mean, when we were, uh, you know, we were setting this up, and uh, yeah, yeah, we were messaging on Facebook. You know, the, the one thing you said was like, you know, how do how do we solve this problem? And you know, I, I was honestly like, this is this is completely out of my wheelhouse. What what is your what, what would you say is your idea in terms of? It doesn't seem like we'll ever completely, you know, solve it. But if we could get even one person help, I know I know that's cliche to say, but what what's the best way if uh you know if if someone's out there and and they're you know they're abusing drugs or whatever how do they get help well you say it's cliche but it's really that it's really one person at a time mm -hmm. um, that that's all you really can do but i just think it needs to be you know attacked in so many different areas um harm reduction is big um you know especially here in Suku county you know, we're at like 53 overdose deaths. Um, yeah, it's crazy. So, I mean, you was born and raised in Sewell County. This is a small county. You know, we, we live in a small county. Um, but per capita compared to, you know, other counties in the state and across the country, we're probably, if we're not in the top 10 right now of most overdose deaths, we're pretty close to it. Uh, and that's alarming to me. So... To answer your question, Narcan is a big one, mm -hmm. naloxone, uh, you know, putting Narcan in as many people's hands. And Narcan as, just for, it, it's, a, it's like an inhaler, right? Yeah, it's a, it's, an, it's, a, it's a nasal spray. That's the most common way to utilize it today. Uh, it's a nasal, a nasal spray, and it just reverses the effects um, in the brain, mm -hmm. uh, and it literally saves lives. 
Uh, I'm a Narcan survivor. So when I talk about Narcan, it's not because, you know, Narcan works, but I have personal experience. You know, I was Narcan'd uh, one time before. So if it wasn't for Narcan, you know, chances are I probably uh, wouldn't be here. And as a result of being Narcan and, and having that experience, that jump started my recovery. You know, so so many people's, you know, complain about Narcan availability, you know, that people get it administered to them multiple times over. But so what? You know, we can't get people into treatment if we can't keep them alive. Mm-hmm. So that's a big one. Um, uh, medically assisted treatment. Um, so there's medication available um, where I think, you know, we fall short in availability and that being a viable resource here locally so that's two big ones i think we can we can improve on and then you know building models that sustain long-term recovery Uh, and what i mean by that is we can't send people to treatment for 28 days and let them come back to the same environment without support in place so, you know, as I alluded to the continuum of care, obviously you want people to go in that direction. Uh, but peer-to-peer services is, is big. And when I talk about peer-to-peer services, is people with lived experience. So people with lived experience must have a seat at the table. You know, so when we're making decisions as it surrounds people that have a substance use disorder, people that have a lived experience need to be consulted. Um, I can't, I can't sit here and explain what it's like for a woman to give birth because I'm not a woman. I've never, mm-hmm. you know, given birth before, you know, I, I might want a beautiful building built, but I can't build it myself. I have to ask an architect. So that's what I mean by we got to get people that have lived this and have recovered. They have to be in on the conversation. And, um, you know, I actually didn't know that, that, you know, they had used Narcan on you. What, what do you think of when you, when you look back on it? Does it scare you or? Well, it scares me because here's the thing. Um, I was in Allentown and, uh, I had just met this individual and this is where people that have a substance use disorder get stigmatized. Mm Mm-hmm. I had just met this individual probably within 20 minutes of, you know, overdosing. I didn't know him from Adam. And I overdosed, and he called 911. And 911 came and administered Narcan, and I woke up in the hospital. If, I, if this man walked in here right now, I wouldn't know him. Hmm. You know, so that just goes to show you people that suffer from a substance use disorder they're not bad people you know they're good people that have a disease and that disease is a disease of addiction so that's just an example of breaking down stigma you know Mm -hmm. and and that's that i'll never forget that you know and and i got narcan and and that jump started my recovery so prime example lived experience why i could speak on narcan being available to people uh, in the public because it's very expensive. So if you don't have insurance, you know, you could walk into the pharmacy, just a standing order. So you need a prescription for it. But in Pennsylvania, uh, the Surgeon General, Dr. Levine, issued a standing order. So 
you or I could walk into CVS and, and get Narcan. If we don't have insurance, we'll have to pay out of pocket. And it's usually over $100. Which so, isn't that crazy when, when you look that it's saving a life. Well, it, it's not It's not crazy. Yeah, it, actually, it is very crazy um, because it's expensive. You know, So if, if you have over 72,000 people that died last year, 72,000 people across the country that died uh, last year from a, a drug overdose, and you have a medication such as Narcan that saves people's lives, and pharmaceutical companies, you know, the price has rose within the last three or four years in excess of 600%. So it's price gouging. So, and that's where the legislators have to come in and, and stop that from happening. And, you know, you mentioned legislators. I just wrote this note here. You are hosting uh, with our congressional candidates, correct? You're hosting an event? Well, actually, we, you know, I co-hosted uh, two opioid uh, roundtables um, with uh, Denny Wolf, who's mm -hmm. on a Democratic ticket um, for the 9th Congressional District, which is our district, and Dan Muser, who is on the Republican ticket. So I co-hosted both of those events. And... You know, I've had multiple conversations um, with both people uh, as it relates to this epidemic. Now, I, I think, too, with, with such a small community, I, I don't know, maybe our listeners may know someone who, who's, who's, you know, abusing right now or, or know someone of someone. Let's just say I was your friend back when, you know, when you were using. How, how could I have helped you? If you were using with me? Or no, I, I, you know, I was clean, you know. How could I have gotten you help? Well, because, you know, I, I'd probably say, oh, let's go get, you know, let, but that's probably not going to work, right? Well, no, first of the first thing is tough love is ineffective and overrated. Uh, and how you would have probably at least got my attention is just supported me and encouraged me to reach out for help and, and presented solutions to me. Mm -hmm. And you just never know what frame of mind I would have been in at that point in time. I may have been in a vulnerable state and you presented an option for me and you referred me, you know, to a local facility that can assist me. At that point in time, you know, I may have, you know, listened to you and sought out and got help. So I think for the person that is out there suffering in an active addiction, we just need to encourage them, you know, and love them and emphasize the fact that it's not a moral failing. We, it's not shame-based. It's a medical condition, and mm -hmm. we just need to treat it as such. You know, nobody wants to – nobody – I know I didn't raise my hand in kindergarten and said I wanted to be addicted to drugs. Nobody sets out to do that, you know. There's a lot of underlying issues that drive people down that road. You know, what about the guy that – you know, works construction and he hurt his back and was prescribed, you know, opiate mm -hmm. and was on it for a year. And then for whatever reason, you know, the doctor cut him off and now he has, you know, an addiction. You know, what does he do? What, what happens to that person? Did he, did he set out to do that? No, he got injured at work. He was in pain. You know, he listened to a doctor that prescribed them a magic medication, you know, and it just happened that way, you know, so he can't get his medication no more. It's very expensive. So what does he do? He doesn't want to be sick. You know, you don't want to go through an opioid withdrawal. You know, that's like 
the flu a hundred times over. Mm-hmm. So he, he goes to the streets. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're talking about before, you know, the stigma. And when you say the right person, you know, now it's affecting the person next door, you know, in, 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 in quote unquote nice neighborhoods. And it's not, you know, just someone walking the street. And I think, you know, unfortunately, we all know someone or know someone of someone uh, that has, you know, had, had fallen this for, for various circumstances. So I think uh, the biggest thing in, in my unprofessional opinion is just simply that, you know, the stigma. You have to, we have to get rid of it and, you know. We, we have to help our, our community, and I think what you're doing is uh, very admirable. I hope you keep the momentum going with it, and I hope it keeps growing, and, and uh, I wish you nothing but the best. There's a million other things I could be doing, but this is the only thing that, that I have a passion for. And stigma comes from some of the most unlikely sources. So it's not just you know the, the, the uneducated to stigmatize people sometimes it's the educated that stigmatize you as well mm-hmm. uh, and some people are engaged and some people just aren't engaged and you know some of the people that are in position that should be engaged just aren't engaged for whatever reason great well thank you so much Corey. uh we could find you on on facebook you have a facebook page right facebook uh live today uh you find us on facebook mm-hmm. like us on facebook we also have a website livetoday.com we have a lot of information yeah, you have a great following on Facebook. I'll see your post. I mean, you have a lot, lots of people engaging, and, and that's a good sign. So, Well, that's because the community, they're just they're concerned. They're tired. You, mm-hmm. know, you know, I've, I've just become their voice, and, and, and it's with great humility that I accept that role. And, you know, I'm going to talk, and I'm not going to stop talking, and we're going to try and pick, impact change. Great. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate you guys taking a listen. Again, um, you know, uh, it's not the most uh, positive uh, story that we have to cover here, but uh, it is great to see someone taking a a negative and turn it into a positive, uh, especially when this uh, epidemic is uh, sweeping across the country, unfortunately. Um, So whatever you guys can do at home, um, please, please do it. And I'm sure uh, a lot of people will be appreciative of it but I will see you next week. Thank you.